We're grateful you're joining us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. I'm host Carrie Freeman coming to you from Atlanta in October of 2022. Today, we're going to be talking about ensuring equitable voter access across Georgia to make sure everyone of all races has their voices and votes heard to protect the environment, wildlife, and human health. And our guest, Briante McCorkle, heads up the leading organization in that effort, Georgia Conservation Voters. Georgia Conservation Voters fights to protect our air, water, and land through political action. They envision a future where political landscape has changed to place a high priority on building a sustainable and resilient Georgia and advancing climate justice. They describe themselves as nonpartisan, pragmatic, and effective. The Georgia Conservation Voters' mission is to advocate for public policies that advance a more just and sustainable future. They campaign for candidates who will make climate and environmental justice a priority. Um, They activate environmental voters and hold elected officials accountable for their actions and votes. Their website is gcvoters.org. GC stands for Georgia Conservation Voters, so gcvoters.org. Our guest is Briante McCorkle, the executive director of Georgia Conservation Voters. She spent her career training activists, advancing equity and inclusion in the environmental movement, and organizing grassroots voters. She formerly served as the director of engagement at Eco Districts, and before that as the Georgia Sierra Club assistant director. And before that, she was a student at Georgia State University getting a degree in public policy, And she was a star student in my Communicating Environmental Issues class, and she helped to advocate for the student green fee that we now have had at GSU for many years. It funds our sustainability office and student green initiatives. So that's having a longstanding impact. Uh, Welcome back to the show, Briante. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I'm always just so proud to talk to you and, and, and have you on the show. Well, Brante, I know you've worked in environmental protection organizations since you graduated college and really during college. Why were you now drawn to run the Georgia Conservation Voters Organization? Yes, so I am really excited to be leading Georgia Conservation Voters because it is an opportunity to work on all of the things that I feel really passionate about. Um, and, you know, use the skills that I, I have. Um, you know, one of those skills is communicating about environmental issues, which is the class that I took with you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really, um, you know, I think blessed to be in this position. Um, you know, prior to my time at Georgia Conservation Voters, I had spent some time as an organizer with um, the Sierra Club, uh, Georgia chapter. And um, I had been working primarily on transportation issues, but I had people um, on on the team who were also working on energy issues. And, um, you know, I had this like curiosity really about all the other environmental issues that we didn't directly work on. Um, And so uh, I think after the Sierra Club, I I went and I ran for Atlanta City Council. That really gave me a lot of insight into what it takes for you know, candidates to win elections, especially candidates who care about climate and, and environment, um, you know, that, that you know, running for office is challenging. And so experiencing it firsthand was really necessary um, for the work that I do today. And um, after I ran for office, um, I, I wasn't ultimately successful. It was, I was, it, I still consider it a success, even though I didn't win the race. Um, yeah. But then I, I went to work for uh, this organization called Eco Districts that was focused on, you know, how we build these 
beautiful, sustainable, um, you know, environmentally friendly communities without exacerbating um, housing prices, um, you know, gentrification, displacement. And um, that work was really interesting for a while, but it didn't have that grassroots organizing component that I, I, I realized was really important for me. So GCV is an opportunity to come and continue to work on a broad set of environmental issues, transportation, um, clean energy, uh, water, you know, uh, food, all of those things I, I can I can now work on. Um, I can help get people um, elected. I could also just help people vote, you know, and, and it's rooted in grassroots community organizing. And so, um, you know, which is really empowering the people because democracy is about empowering the people. Um, yeah. So hopefully that. Yeah. That's, and that's a good segue into my next question because uh, Georgia Conservation Voters has a democracy for all campaign. Why did you determine it necessary for the Georgia Conservation Voters Group to concentrate on voting rights issues? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, voting is is really just one of the most important things that we can do to uh, make sure that our voices are heard, that our leaders hear our voices. Um, our leaders are very responsive to people voting, <laughs> right? Um, especially if they're voting in mass. Um, and so, you know, unfortunately, we don't see the amount of turnout that we we should see in a democracy, right? Um, we can we continually see a large base of voters sit out of elections, and um, you know, there's a couple of reasons why they do that. Um, you know, one of them is that you know a lot of folks don't know when the elections are happening. Um, you know, there's a lot of television, uh, televising, and advertising around big elections like the president. But when it comes to the smaller local elections or even the smaller local races on president on, um, you know, on the ballot at the same time the president is, there's just not a lot of coverage. And so people just don't have that information. Um, and the other thing is that even if they know an election's coming and they and they understand that this race is on the ballot, they tend to not know. Um, who the candidates are, what the candidates stand for, you know, who's the best one, um, you know, to fill that position and what that position even does. So there's a huge gap here in in what voters actually know um, when they show up to the polls, if they even show up to the polls. And the, and, and the if is a big thing, because when another reason why people don't vote is, you know, just they they have trouble getting to um the, getting to the polls on election day, a lot of them don't know they have multiple options like absentee voting and early voting. Um, and so, you know, and then and then there's barriers, right? right? There's these little barriers of like, I don't have a car and I have shift work and I can't take election day off. And, you know, these 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 things that I, I always call it sort of like death by a thousand cuts, right? It's just, it's not one big thing preventing voters. It's all of these little things that add up to, for many voters, insurmountable barriers. Um, and so some of those things, I think, are, are um, you know, policies that have been put in place that just have not been implemented, um, you know, keeping in mind uh, that we should be making voting as accessible and as easy as possible for, um, you know, for people to, to do. Uh, so, you know, examples include the fact that what we saw during the pandemic, uh, there was this huge increase in turnout um, 
during that 2020 election cycle. And a lot of that turnout was because people were using the absentee ballot method yeah, like never before. Home. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we okay. had record breaking turnout and absentee ballot because, you know, this was the first time people realized, oh, I have an option to vote from home that became normalized because we were all sitting at home anyway. Right. Yeah. And so um, when we broke down who was using the absentee um, ballots, who really took advantage of that, what we saw was that it tended to be voters of color. It tended to be lower income voters. It tended to be voters that, you know, weren't didn't have the most stellar voting records, like they had trouble getting physically to the polls. Um, but that absentee ballot option really made a big difference for them. And the disappointing thing about what happened after that was that, you know, we had this huge spike in absentee ballot voting. Um, and then immediately after the election, we all know there were all these accusations of fraud and, oh, well, something went wrong because all these people turned out to vote, which is crazy to me. Like we, we, democracy was working and it's like, oh no, this is a problem. We had too much turnout. Like there has to be some fraud. And, and of course there've been, you know, tons of, um, you know, research into whether or not fraud even happened at the scale that it was, it, it was accused of happening, and even though we didn't get any evidence that it was, you know, substantial levels of fraud, we saw the Georgia General Assembly immediately move to restrict absentee ballot voting, who could use it, when, what the window was to request the ballot and to return it. So they basically made it harder for people to use that method to turn out to vote. And why this is just one example of a harmful po policy that's been implemented that really harms people who care about environment because um, as I said, these lower income voters, these uh, voters of color, you know, the these these voters that tend to vote more progressive are are the ones who, um, you know, we have research that shows that when you do these things to restrict voting, they're the ones who are most impacted. They're the ones who drop off most. And that's a problem when we care about environment and climate. Right. We want pro climate action, you know pro-environment voters to be able to show up to the polls and, you know, every little policy that stops them from doing that means that there's less representation, right? Um, you know, in yeah, the like polls like being closed. I saw that on your website too. I think there was like a couple hundred polling locations in Georgia have been closed. So that makes it even harder. Like people would have to travel even further. Right. Because yes. You have a vehicle and your time is tight. That is just like another thing that would make it so that um, a lower income person or a person of color who might not be able to vote, even though like technically we're all able to vote. Right. I mean, we get it. But right. it's just it's an anytime you as you say, you add an inconvenience. Um, well, generally, Republicans know that like that it's going you're going to like have fewer progressive voters if you do these things to make it harder for poor people to vote. Right, exactly. I mean, and and it's that that's not, you know, speculation. There have been lots of studies that have shown that the impact of, you know, adding these barriers, closing polling locations, restricting absentee voting definitely directly target, you know, impacts this group of voters, um, you know, uh, disproportionately. Uh, things like, you know, there was a while ago when we were fighting about, um, you know, exact match, right? <laughs> like name, making sure your name matched exactly when you filled out on yeah, online. Signature wasn't right. Yeah. Or something. I was like worried signature about that. Yeah, you just worried your vote is going to get thrown out. 
Right. Yeah. And, and those things we we have been able to demonstrate impact, um, you know, younger voters, voters of color, um, low income voters. Um, and, and, and I want to be clear that it those aren't the only people it impacts. Right. It impacts everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, so 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 there tends to be a dismissal. Oh, it's just impacting them. But <laughs> like, no, no, no. There's anything that's, you know, preventing people from voting is an attack on our democracy. Right. We want we should be wanting to to get as many eligible voters out to the polls so that we know where we really stand as a country. And one of the things that we have, especially from the environment and climate space, is all this data that says, you know, across the board, 70% of of, um, Georgians care about climate and environment. And that's regardless of party affiliation, race, you know, um, all it's just a it's a pretty consistent number. So when you're preventing people from voting, you know, and and they don't get to to choose candidates that they think will move forward on climate and environment, um, you know, you end up with people in office who are just out of step with where the public really is. I don't right. know if I made that yeah. said that clearly, but yeah. Well, in terms of solutions like ensuring that every Georgia resident who's a U.S. citizen can exercise their right to vote in the election on November eighth. What would you suggest in terms of helping us overcome obstacles in order to ensure we can vote as easily as possible? Like yep. even talking about some dates to consider for early voting or what kind of ID we would bring or just how like helping us now <laughs> vote in this election? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we definitely tell everybody that you should be making a plan to vote, right? Um, election season is upon us, right? Election day. Um, is coming up on November 8th. And so um, we have uh, just a few more weeks before election day. Um, so definitely come up with a plan to vote. Um, so we have those different methods, absentee voting, early voting. I would probably say that this late in the cycle, you you if you haven't already um, applied for your absentee ballot and requested it and received it, that you know it, it your window of time to do that is basically shot, right? <laughs> so you definitely be better to go this. in person to an early exactly. voting location, which I think they're open through November fourth. Right. So early voting um, actually started earlier this week. Um, And so I love early voting. Let me just say I I love early voting. I really encourage people to do early voting because, you know, you have several weeks to do it. Like, you know, October 17th is is was the start. We have all the way up until the Friday um, before Election Day. So that's um, November 4th. So you have a, a good window of time to make it. The other benefit of early voting is that you um, can vote anywhere in the county you're registered in. And there's usually more than one location. Um, So I'm registered in Fulton County. Um, You know, I have like, you know, well over 10 different places that I can choose to go vote at my convenience. Um, And so, and then there's Saturday and Sunday voting um, as well during early voting, because we do know some people work nine to fives that make it really difficult for them to get to the polls. Um, so having, you know, your Saturday and your Sunday early voting options helps as well. So, you know, I really encourage people to, you know, log on to MVP SOS, mvp.sos.ga.gov. That is the official state um, website. You can log in, check your voter registration status, um, look at these early voting, um, find your early voting locations, 
Um, and you can even look at your look at ballot a too. Ballot. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's yeah. like it's if part of the plan to vote. It makes you more excited to vote. Is you you know what you're gonna expect, know what to expect when you get in there. So you're there. There's not like a referendum that you're like, what? I don't know how to vote on this. I don't know what this means. So it's if you look at your ballot on that My Georgia Voter page that you just mentioned. I usually just type in the search engine My Georgia Voter, and it takes me to that Secretary Secretary of State page you just mentioned. And then you could look at your ballot ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And then and then find out, you know, the early voting locations in your area and the times and everything. And so then you feel pretty prepared and you're not right. and you feel more confident, I think. You know, you could tell I do a lot of organizing around this. I just had that like URL like memory. Yeah, right. I can't <laughs> remember you know, just that like I doing... just been my <laughs> voter or something every um, day. I do want to make other voters aware of a tool that we we have, the Georgia Conservation Voters Education yeah. Fund. Um, it can be found uh, on our website, uh, gcvedfund.org um, slash vote. And it is actually a ballot builder tool um, for anyone who wants to use it. It's nonpartisan. And, you know, you basically put your address in and, um, you know, it could tell it will pull up your ballot, basically, it'll show you all the races on your ballot. But the benefit of this tool is it actually then shows you the candidates and you can read about the candidates for each position, um, you know, that the tool goes and finds any public statements they've made on any number of issues that you might care about. So you can learn about them, compare the candidates, pick one and basically build your ballot um, in a way that the uh, state website, they'll just it's just a printout of what your ballot looks right. like. And it's, you still have to do a lot of research and Googling names. Um, but this tool goes that much further to that. It has done the research for you and presents your candidates. Again, it's nonpartisan. So it's not just showing, you know, one party or the other it's, it's showing, you know, both candidate or all candidates. I said both, right. We don't, we have more than yeah. two parties in the U S thank goodness. Um, and so, you know, you can read and compare and, and really learn about what the races do and who these candidates are and build your ballot in real time. So, you know, if, if you want to access that tool, it's available on our website, gcvedfund.org slash vote. If you're just joining us on Radio Free Georgia, this is In Tune to Nature. I'm host Carrie Freeman talking with Briante McCorkle, the executive director of the nonprofit Georgia Conservation Voters. Their website is gcvoters.org. Um, as we discussed, we're going to discuss, they also have a page that helps you identify what will be on your ballot and you can compare it to who the Georgia Conservation Voters is endorsing in terms of environmental uh, environmentally friendly candidates. And you may find that helpful when making your voting decisions for this November 8th election. And that guide is online at gcv.endorse.guide, gcv.endorse.guide. Um, I wanted to ask you, I know like many organizations that support a certain cause, your organization, Georgia Conservation Voters, conducts research and vets a list of political candidates that your group has chosen to endorse on environmental protection grounds. As a nonpartisan organization, what are your criteria for selecting whom you endorse, which candidates you endorse at Georgia Conservation Voters? Sure. Well, so I want to clarify, you know, there's Georgia Conservation Voters, and then there's the Georgia Conservation Voters Education Fund. Okay. The Georgia Conservation Voters Education Fund is nonpartisan, and that's the tool okay. with uh, the ballot builder and the, the candidate. No endorsements on it. Right. There are no endorsements. Okay. 
So that's gcvedfund.org slash vote. And so, yes, DC Georgia Conservation Voters, not the Education Fund, is the one that does the endorsements. Um, um, it is not a it's not a 501c3, so we can do endorsements. Um, and that's the tool that you just um, lifted up, the GCV um, dot endorse that guide. That, okay. that, that is the tool that actually shows our endorsements. And so what we do is we actually do a, um, we start with a questionnaire and we work with our partners um, in the environmental space, um, you know, to understand what the different issues are and, um, you know, make sure that the questionnaire is structured in a way that we can get answers on all of the issues, pressing environmental issues of the day in Georgia. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we initially, it used to be like a, you know, do you believe this? Yes or no. But we found that to be very limiting, um, you know, because candidates could just go through and mark yes, even if they really didn't um, to get the they, even if they don't really agree with the statement. So we actually changed it so that it's more open ended. And we now ask candidates, you know, um, about their race, about why they're running. And then we ask them what they you know, what they think are the environmental issues that are relevant to their race, okay. um, the position that they're running for and what they they want to do about them. So because it's more open-ended, it really requires the candidate to articulate um, on their own why climate and environment is important to them and how they see themselves addressing it and the role that they have, um, that they're running for. And so we think that's super important because um, every... I say this all the time, but there's no single elected position that is going to solve climate change on its own, right? You can elect a president, you can elect Congress people, you can elect legislators, and that's still not enough to solve climate because climate's such a big issue that um, literally every level of government, and by level of government, I mean city, county, state, um, and of course the US uh, federal government all have some responsibility in in um, passing climate pro climate policies. Um, you know, policies to address climate change, policies to help us have a healthier, cleaner environment. Um, you know, so it's it's important that people who are running for office are able to articulate. You know, from their position, hey, I'm running for city council, and um, as a city council person, I could pass a 100% clean energy resolution that commits my city to, um, you know, pursuing clean energy. Yeah, uh, that's something a city council person can do. Or if you're an attorney general, uh, a candidate, you could say, I'm committed to holding polluters accountable, you know, through through the courts um, for what they, you know, for the pollution in Georgia. Right. So that every candidate, depending on the position that they're running in, has a different angle on what they could be doing to address climate. And so we start with that questionnaire. We put the questionnaire out there. If we um, know that we're going to endorse in a particular race, we send it to all the candidates that have qualified in that race, um, which we think is really important because we want to give everyone an opportunity to apply for the endorsement. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that that we tend to get um, pretty good responses by proactively sending the questionnaire out. Um, and then we take that information and um, our board uh, uh, has a political committee that we then vet the candidates and then make a decision about who we ultimately are going to endorse. But um, all of that is that, you know, we don't, we, we just really want to hear from 
candidates um, why this is important to them, you know, and we want to give everyone a fair shot to earn the endorsement. And over the decades, just speaking for myself, I've found it personally helpful to use like League of Conservation Voter Recommendations or League of Humane Voter Recommendations for candidates, because if I watch debates featuring candidates, candidates, they often don't even ask them questions on animal or eco protection. So it's harder for me to find out candidate platforms on these policies and their past voting records. So I appreciate that like state chapters of these conservation and humane voter organizations do some of that research for me and produce candidate voting record scorecards because I'm personally not interested in electing into office people who get D's or F's on animal protection or eco protection or racial and gender justice issues that are important to me in society. So and as a disclaimer, I just want to clarify that at Radio Free Georgia, we don't tell people who to vote for and that's that's your own decision. But in tune to nature, at in tune to nature, I do think it's important to talk about elections and politics so we can all be better informed voters and engaged citizens since it's a huge impact, you know, on our collective uh, future. Um, Agreed, yeah. yeah. And so, again, uh, Briante, we don't really have well, we, we're running out of time, so we don't have time to go through who you've endorsed and why. But people remind us like how people can find that out kind of all the way from the top of the ticket at the governor's race all the way down um, to some of their like state um, their state legislators, a lot of times we might not know their names. And so that's why uh, we don't see them as much in the news. So these, mm-hmm. I feel like these endorsement guides are helpful for my own research. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I just, I want to add here that, um, you know, the work that we do and many other organizations and nonprofits do, um, to try to help voters understand where any candidate might stand on an issue is just so important because you're right. There's not enough information usually in a debate or yeah. in a news article about a candidate for you to really understand, you know, um, you know, where a candidate's position is on all the things you care about. And, you know, maybe environment isn't the one thing that's important to you, but getting a sense that, oh, this candidate aligns with me on this issue that's important to me, but maybe not so much here helps you make a better decision about who you're ultimately going to vote for. Um, And so we're glad to be able to help people understand where their candidates, you know, are on environment and climate. Um, And so we have uh, the tool that you can use to see um, you know, who GCV um, believes are, are really strong pro-environmental candidates um, is gcv.endorse.guide. Um, you know, if you if you log there, you can see every endorsement that we've made. And um, there's a, a button that says who's on my ballot. And you can click on that and add your address information and it'll filter the list of endorsements just for the candidates that you can, you could vote for. That's pretty um, cool. And the nonpartisan one that's a lot more detailed that doesn't include our endorsements at all, but just has descriptions of the races and all the candidates, that one is um, gcvedfund.org slash vote. So both of, both of these tools hopefully will be helpful for voters if they want to um, dive into that a, a little bit more. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Well, and that's the end of our show. But I want to thank you, Briante McCorkle, for being with us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. And thanks for the important work you continue to do in Georgia advocating for environmental protection within an environmental justice and civil rights context. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to In Tune to Nature, broadcasting every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time online at wrfg.org and on Atlanta radio station 89.3 FM. 
We post action items, news, and podcasts at the show's website, facebook.com slash nature. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of WRFG, its board, staff, or volunteers. I'm one of those volunteers. I'm host Carrie Freeman asking you to please support independent non-commercial media like Radio Free Georgia. And remember to take care of yourself and others, including other species. I like to keep the interests of other living beings in mind when I'm voting, since the more than human world has no political representation, and I feel I have to speak for them with my vote. Thank you for listening. Cheers. <laughs>